everybody. Welcome back to What Happened to You. Today, I'm joined by Johnny Morrissey, who I was fortunate enough to stumble upon your TikTok, and you just had such an incredible story, and the way that you spoke about it was perfect for the podcast, so I had to reach out, and I'm really happy to have you here, man. Thanks for coming on the pod. Thanks for having me. Of course. What happened to you? All right, so uh, long story short, I was basically drugged and raped by at least two guys um and because of this i'm 99.999 percent sure that i have hiv because of that word <laughs> yeah <laughs> <It's a lot. laughs> so okay can you like walk us through that what that experience was like yeah so uh this is around the very end of 2018 and around then i was just Going through a lot in my life, uh, I just got kicked out of uh, University of Illinois. and what for? Uh, my grades. Uh-huh. I just really wasn't focusing. So it was just a big change in my life. Uh, I kind of had a really big falling out around this time with my best friends. So I really didn't have any friends at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just kind of started uh, hanging out with some pretty not good people uh started doing a lot of drugs and one night i was actually on tinder and i matched with a chef and so we were talking for a while and he told me that you know he wanted to cook with me he wanted to uh take me out on a date and so i ended up going to his apartment one night uh we were going to make our food and talk and get to know each other which I thought was a perfect first date idea yeah um so he lived probably like an hour away uh so I drove up there and he told me when I got there that he wasn't ready yet but I was welcome to come inside and just kind of sit and relax until he was done he wasn't ready like like getting ready yeah he was he said he was running a little late he was out of the shower and he was just kind of getting dressed and everything got it um so, you know, I went in there and he had some snacks laid out for me and he uh, made me a drink. And so I was just kind of sitting there and we were talking. I had maybe like two more drinks uh, after that. And we were just kind of having a normal conversation. And after about 20-ish minutes, I just kind of started getting a little foggy and confused and I was kind of telling some stories and I just couldn't really remember how any of these uh, events happened. Mm -hmm. And he, he noticed and he was just kind of like, are you all right? Um, And, you know, like I was very nervous. It was the first date. So I was just kind of like apologizing the entire time. And he told me uh, really the last thing I remember is that he kind of told me to go lay down and at this point, I really wasn't thinking anything. I was thinking maybe I was just, I drank a little too much. Yeah. Um, and so I just sort of remember, I don't know if this is like a dream or if what happened, but I remember waking up once, just kind of opening my eyes a little bit. And I was just sprawled out on the bed. Um, and two guys who, they weren't the original guy I went on the date with, um, two random people were just at the end of the bed. One was kind of putting on his shoes or tying his shoes. And the other was zipping up his pants. And I kind of closed my eyes again, went back to sleep, fell 
um, went out of consciousness and I woke up a little later and I kind of sprung up. I, it felt like I had the worst hangover ever. Mm -hmm. And my clothes were just very neatly folded at the end of the bed with my wallet, my keys, my phone, just nicely set on top. And, you know, when I woke up, I was just super scared. I kind of knew what happened to me. I was naked. I remember kind of jumping up and trying to put on my clothes as quietly as possible. I didn't want to make any sounds. And um, yeah. there was a pen on the nightstand. And I kind of clicked that and had it right next to me as I was getting dressed for protection, basically, if anyone walked in. Yeah. Um, and so I got dressed and I honestly kind of felt like a spy. I was kind of sneaking around <laughs> the corners, trying not to get caught. Yeah, Mission Impossible. Um, yeah. For real. That's wild. And uh, the kitchen was actually right around the corner uh, from the bedroom. And I sort of like ran into the kitchen and I grabbed a knife. And I was very surprised that there was nobody in the apartment at all. It was completely empty. I was, that kind of scared me a little more because I didn't know where any of these people were, if they were going to come back with more people, if they were going to come back to murder me, like yeah. do something else to me. So that scared me a little more. Um, and I kind of looked around a little bit. I honestly kind of went into like fight or flight. And I was ready to fight, honestly. I had my, the knife with me. And I, I can't say for sure, but I was looking, honestly, probably to murder whoever was in the room. I was scared. I knew exactly what happened to me. And I just didn't really want anything to, else to happen. But, yeah, um, I mean, I'd, I'd say that's pretty reasonable. It's not yeah. like you're you're wanting to murder them for fun. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> definitely like a, a self-defense situation. And like, it's it's terrifying. I really believe that this wasn't the first time it happened um, that this person did that. Because when I checked my phone, I obviously didn't check it in the moment. Um, but looking back, I realized that he deleted and I had the fingerprint uh thumb ID yeah. so it was very easy for him to probably unlock my phone uh I realized that the tinder profile was deleted his number was deleted Whoa. um even I'm pretty sure I mentioned google maps like going to his address or something and he actually deleted all of my history on google maps um so I have a reason to believe that it wasn't his first time that it's happened before. Um, yeah, that's like that's like planned out, premeditated yeah. drug rape. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I was. Uh, I left. I actually left with the knife and was walking the hallways with the knife in my hand. People probably thought I was crazy, <laughs> but um, I ended up just going right back to my car, and I was probably driving home like thirty miles per hour the entire time, just super slow. I still felt super hungover, but I just wanted to get home. And is I, this like morning? Were you there overnight or when did you wake up? So I went there probably around like dinner time, like maybe five, six ish, seven. 
Um, and when I woke up, I just remember it was, it was probably like morning. It was like maybe 6 a.m., 5 a.m., where it was very early. My mom was calling me. I had like 10 missed calls from her. Uh-huh. Uh, and when I drove home, I just, no radio on, no music. I was just kind of sitting in silence, trying to get home, trying to process. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to just happened. turn on music. Oh, hell yeah. yeah, dude, new day. Yeah. Um, and so I went home. I went right to sleep, or I tried to go to sleep. I just kind of laid in my bed. Um, I really didn't tell anybody about it. Uh, I was just, I was already going through so much in my life that I kind of felt like a burden to my family or friends already. I didn't want to kind of put that extra pressure on them to help me or do something about it. Totally. So uh, I just kind of forgot about it, I guess. I just tried not to think about it, uh, went on with my normal life until probably like a month later. It started with my back hurting, which I know isn't really a normal symptom for when you have HIV, um, but I just wasn't able to sleep, uh, was uncomfortable 24-7, and then it kind of led into normal flu-like symptoms. I lost about 10, 15 pounds, uh, wasn't eating, I was cold all the time. So after about a week, my mom finally was like, all right, let's go to the hospital, you're annoying me too much <laughs> um annoying so, yeah, me with your aids <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> i went to the hospital and they really didn't know what was wrong with me at first either and it took a few days for them to actually figure out that i was hiv positive and i just remember when the, the doctor told me i just knew it was from that moment that that's how i got it yeah. and uh my parents were a little confused Uh, I just told them that it was one drunk night or something. I must have just had sex unprotected. Um, So I still haven't, I still didn't tell my parents at this point. Uh, It took probably a whole year for me to actually, and I was drunk too when I came out, when I told this to my parents. (laughs) Uh, It took alcohol and a year for me to finally tell them. Um, But yeah, I... A lot of people on my TikTok video were asking um, what happened if I called the police or anything like that. And I, I just didn't. I, it never really went through my mind when I was leaving this guy's apartment to call the police. I just wanted to get to safety. I just wanted to go home, mm-hmm. lay in my bed and just kind of forget it ever happened. And also you know, it was an hour away. So I really didn't know the area too well. Um, Like I said, my Google Maps was deleted. So I really couldn't find where this guy lived. I've gone back. I've tried to figure out where it was. um, And I just can't really remember any of the streets or anything like that. Well, it's it's such a, a common question that people ask, whether it's date rape or molestation or, you know, whatever you've gone through. It's like, why didn't you call the cops? Why didn't you tell somebody sooner? And it, it's just a classic. If you haven't been through something like this, sometimes it's hard to understand why it, it's you think that that's what you would do. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, I mean, for you, it's like you're in a totally foreign environment and you just went through this insane amount of trauma 
And the last thing you want to do is like hang around the area or like go to a police station. Like, I mean, I, I imagine there's so there's so many different things that you're thinking, but really like probably you just want to get out of there. And it's especially when it's like when you become aware that this is like an operation that they're running, that probably adds this other additional element of like, oh, fuck, this is a lot bigger than like just this one dude. Like there's a lot going on here and you want to protect yourself and get out of the situation and go home. And then yeah. even when that happens, it's like you don't necessarily want to talk about it. People find out about these things and they're like, I would have said something right away. And it's like it's not like yours. This is not something I'm stoked to tell people about, you know. Yeah. So I totally empathize with you there. And um you know, TikTok is such a funny place in that way, because despite the uh, many amazing comments that you'll get from people, you inevitably get a lot of people that victim blame and say mm -hmm. that, you know, this is your fault for going over there or your fault for getting molested, you know, whatever the thing is. Um, so I think it's just, yeah, important to not take TikTok comments too seriously, because there is just about every comment imaginable on every video. Definitely. But yeah, I totally get you, man. Yeah. And, you know, I, like I said, uh, or like you said, I have always thought that, you know, I would be the hero that I would call the police and be famous for, you know, putting some guy in jail. But like, looking back on it, you know, this guy had my wallet for a while. He had my address. He had my license. He, if I did something, you know, he wasn't alone. He was with to other people, they could have come and come to my house and actually done something more. And so now that I kind of think back on it, I not doing anything might have been the best and safe option yes. in the long run, actually. I think you're right. Who knows how they would have reacted? But all of a sudden, you're not just dealing with your own safety, you're dealing with the safety of your family and whoever else might be, they might be able to get a hold of just by even having your last name, you know? I mean, this is like Taken shit, right? Like from the movie Take It, like all, all of a sudden, it feels like you're dealing with like the rape mafia or something. It's a lot to have to deal with on top of the fact that you did just get raped. It's an insane thing for people to expect you to do anything in that moment other than just get out of the situation. But I think you're, I think you're right. It might've been the best thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, looking back now, I just, it was kind of like a learning experience, I guess, for me. Um, because like I said in my TikTok video, when the doctor first told me, um, that was HIV positive, it sort of kind of sparked something in my brain. My dad, I remember thinking he was very disappointed in me for years, um, ever since, you know, school and finding out that I was doing a lot of drugs. Um, he kind of pulled me over and was like, this is your life now. You should learn from this or just continue to feel bad for yourself. And it also kind of made me think uh, of all the people who died from AIDS in like the 80s and 90s who they might have gone through similar situations as me that maybe some of them were a lot smarter than me who had probably a lot more potential who could have probably given more to society than I will. They passed away and I just live in a time period where I can still live a normal life. So it sort of made me kind of change my ways. Uh, it wasn't right away. A lot of people were asking 
sending me some messages like, how did you change so quickly? How, how was it so easy for you? And it wasn't, it took probably a whole year for me to kind of stop doing drugs completely and just sort of get school back on track and get motivated enough to be happy. (laughs) Yeah, man. Well, that's awesome. I mean, it's, it's, a pretty amazing thing to be able to take an experience like that and learn from it and also have like that significant of a mindset change. You know, if you can learn from that, you can learn from anything. And it's, I feel like people do, you know, it's, it's a fair question to ask, how did you do that? And how did you manage to do it that quickly? I I imagine a lot of people would say that a year is super fast uh, to get to that point. Uh, most people probably maybe not most but a lot of people never get to that point um and i think it's important to note that like it's it's just every healing journey is like completely different and there's no rush (laughs) having feeling like you need to finish it is definitely going to just make it worse so whether it takes you a year or 10 years or 40 years it's like there's really no um every time is like the right time to be healing (laughs) it's just a matter of you know, sticking with it. And I mean, that's really what sort of struck me about your TikTok too, that was so awesome was like, you talk about this really intense thing that happened. And in the span of a minute are all of a sudden clearly showing that like, you've done a bunch of healing and are not letting this tie you down or like keep you in this victim mindset. And I wanted to ask you, like, how has that mindset that you've now developed affected other aspects of your life? I've I'm just a happier person. You can ask like a lot of my friends that I've known even before then. And they used to say that I was probably the, um, the problem child kind of in the friend group. I was sort of the one who liked trouble, who the instigator, um, the drama starter. And they sort of didn't like that about me. Um, but now I kind of reconnected with a lot of people and started hanging out with people who I did back then. And they just tell me that I'm just more in tune with myself, that I've just done a lot of loving myself, a lot of thinking about who I really am. And they just think that I'm happier and they want to be around me a lot more. So just that kind of energy from my friends and that that change just sort of helped me um, happier in all aspects of my life. I also had kind of a a better relationship with my parents. Um, Like I told you before, my dad was a little disappointed when he found out about college when I got kicked out and he wasn't the biggest fan of me back then. Uh, (laughs) But now like with school, I'm getting a lot better grades. Um, He, tells me probably like once a week how proud he is of me and like it just that just makes me want to do better just to make him even more proud and it just feels better to make him proud than to make him disappointed that's great to hear man I'm happy for you how did it feel the first time that you told your parents what happened Honestly, I, when I first told my mom, I don't remember because I was a little blacked out. Yeah. Um, but she came in my room the next day and she kind of asked, she's like, do you remember what you were talking about? And I didn't. <laughs> so she kind of had to like refresh my memory a little. 
And so uh, I was like, oh yeah, this, this sort of happened to me. And she did get a little upset that I didn't tell her sooner um, or didn't call the cops. But I did explain to her like the whole situation, how it wasn't maybe the best safety um, option at that point. Yeah. And we, we don't really talk about it too much anymore. Um, I feel like I, compared to a lot of people, I feel like I kind of processed it a little better than others might have. Mm-hmm. Um, especially now, since I'm in a better place, I, I don't know, I kind of just don't think about it as much. I kind of, you know, just keep moving forward. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, now that we're all in a better place, it's just, we don't talk about the bad times really as much. For sure. Yeah. I feel like that, that comes from healing. Like the more healing you do, the less worried you are about thinking about it whatever happened to you and then I think because you're not worrying about thinking about it it pops into your head less and then even when it does pop into your head you're not worried about having the thoughts so it's not like they spiral in your head you're just like oh yeah that happened and then you just come back to whatever you're actually doing or just remembering that you know it's thinking about it isn't going to change what happened there's a, a lot of useful things that you can do with regards to thinking about the experiences that you've had and it sounds like you're just in a fantastic place given the circumstances. And this was in 2018, this happened? Yes, this was like the very end. Um, I found out I was positive in uh, early or mid-February of okay. 2019. And this is an uneducated question, but are HIV and AIDS the same thing? No. So when you're HIV positive, that's sort of the beginning of it. And you get sick every once in a while, but you can actually recover. It's kind of like a cold kind of, but AIDS is, it turns into AIDS after, I'm not sure exactly how long, but it's a few years, I think. Uh Um, And when it turns into AIDS, it's just, I don't think you're able to do anything. Mm -hmm. Um, But they actually caught my HIV very quickly. Um, It was about a month uh, since that date, that bait date happened. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so they put me on medication very quickly and I'm undetectable now, which that means that wow. I can't give HIV to anybody if I do decide to have sex with them unprotected, uh, because my levels are just so low that they can't be detected, hence undetectable. <laughs> That's fucking awesome, man. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. So this yeah. is this is going to your point that you were saying earlier about how the opportunities that you have as a result of being born in the time that we're in in modern medicine. I mean, that's like really a, a great way to interpret these experiences is like how lucky, you know, it's mm-hmm. sucks that it happened, but like could have been worse for sure. Yeah. Um, definitely. And I was just in such a stagnant place in my life that it kind of jump-started my motivation to do better. And it was just kind of a, a learning experience that I just, I wanted to do it for some of the people who couldn't. And I got a lot of messages and a lot of comments on my video from older people who they lost a lot of friends back in the 80s. 
and they were just very appreciative that I thought of their friends and that, you know, like some people just couldn't, some people were just unfortunate enough that they could have been in the exact same situation as me, but they just, they lived in the eighties, nineties that they just couldn't live. Yeah. Um, so it, it put my whole entire life into perspective and it kind of, I always think, I always say that everything happens for a reason. And I always try to find the reason why things happen to me. And it took a while for this, uh, this situation, but now I just kind of think that, you know, I wasn't planning on changing. Um, back then I was, I was content with not really doing anything in my life. I was content with doing drugs and just kind of being a rebel sort of, Mm -hmm. um, that I think that when this happened, it sort of forced me to change and change my lifestyle. And I'm grateful for that because who knows where I would be right now if I didn't change. So, yeah. (laughs) I love that, dude. That's just what a great way to live your life. All of a sudden, every experience is uh, something that you can learn from. I wanted to ask you about how did this experience affect your sexuality at all in terms of trusting people or did it have any impact on you in that way? Um, It did uh, for a while. I'm honestly just a very trusting person, uh, which could be a bad thing. (laughs) But for a while, uh, it sort of made me just hate men in general. Sure. (laughs) It just made me... Fair response. Yeah, I just didn't want anything to do with it. I, When I started dating my ex, it was the first person that I sort of put my trust in. He was the actually the very first person ever that I told about it. Oh, gosh. Um, but his reaction, uh, he was very sympathetic and like he cried with me. He, he, it was just a very positive response that it sort of gave me the confidence to tell other people. And so now, like I am dating someone else now. And when I did tell him, it was the exact same way. He was very sympathetic and he accepted me for me. And I've never had a bad story with telling someone that I was HIV positive, um, which I'm very lucky about. But there has been some people who, you know, um, back when I was like on Grindr, that I would tell someone and they would just block me right away. And Mm -hmm. it was, it's easier when I've never met them in person yet. (laughs) When it was on an app. I think that that's one of the biggest changes that needs to happen with regards to mitigating these types of issues is making people feel comfortable talking about it. And, you know, I've, it feels like when, when you tell somebody something like this, the initial reaction is just to be like, ah, you know, I'm so sorry. Or like, you know, like it's, it's generally a negative reaction that doesn't make the person who's telling you about it want to talk about it more. Yeah. And if you, are able to listen and just be for the, be there for that person in whatever they need in that moment and not feel like you have to do something to fix this. Like there's nothing that you can do to, 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 to change what happened, but you can do so much just by being receptive to what they're saying and letting them know that like, Hey, this doesn't affect how I feel about you. Like, I don't think that you're a worse person because you had this experience. So I feel like, you know, if, if that was how people 
received this information more, uh, if that was like the base case, the reaction to hearing about these things, it would be so much easier to speak up because like you don't want to burden people with these things. It's it's not something that you want to, to tell people about. I sort of think the stigma about being HIV positive, especially in the gay community, is sort of changing a little. I'll be honest, when before I was diagnosed, I really was not educated at all. And um, I remember someone on Grindr on one of the apps told me that they were um, undetectable. And I just remember I didn't know what that meant. I just saw HIV in front of it. I was like, oh, my God, I I blocked him. And it it's kind of sad because I wasn't educated enough to know what that meant. Um, and when I first started telling my friends their reactions were pretty funny. Uh, I remember I went to a bar with some of my friends and uh, my best friend in the whole world, she asked if I wanted to take a sip of her drink and she kind of pulled it away as soon as I like started to drink. She was like, are you, can you give anything to me from that? Yeah. And it was just that reaction that I was sort of glad that she asked that because I I would rather you ask me because I was, I wasn't going to take it to offense. I'm a very open person. She's my best friend. Um, I would rather her ask me than you know, keep that inside. And I was sort of educating all my friends about it, what everything meant. And, um, like I said, I never really had a negative reaction when I told someone. So I think just the stigma about it is changing as long as you're taking your medication every day you're going to a doctor. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been a pretty positive experience, especially just because it sort of helped jumpstart my life from a very bad spot. Yeah. Um, That's dope. Yeah. (laughs) You're so right. Like it's, it's so much better if you just ask, like ask a question, it would be so much nicer for, for us to clarify your worries rather, rather than just burying them and having them fester and then have it turn into this like worry whenever they're, she's around you or whoever's around you. It really does come down to a lack of education. Like you said, yeah. I mean, it's the same way with molestation. Like most people just don't understand how prevalent these issues are and the impact that it has on the person and the ability that you have as somebody that they're telling to make them feel really good uh, just by, just by being there for them. And um, yeah, man, I feel like I I totally agree. It's just spreading awareness. We're so just like a product of the things that we've been taught and the environments that we grew up in. And like, I mean, honestly, I don't consider myself to be particularly educated on HIV AIDS clearly based on the question I asked earlier, but even just now, like, it's like, I just having this conversation with you, it like, it makes a lot more sense. And it like opens up my mind to like what that actually means rather than just what I thought it meant. Um, so I feel like that's a big part of it is just being willing to like learn <laughs> I mean, <Yeah>. literally <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I had to learn very quickly when I found all of this out and it just, it, means a lot when people do take the time to listen. Um, My oldest brother, when he first found out, he did all this research on Google. He was in the hospital room with me and he sort of was just Googling all about it. And he is more of an expert, honestly, than I am at this point. (laughs) I kind of like being the educator. It just, it kind of gives me like a sense of, 
I don't know, like a sense of, yes, yes. And I've kind of just been telling a lot of people, not for them to pity me, but for them to just be more educated, whether they're straight or not. I feel like I like, I've never learned about HIV or AIDS in health class in high school or anything. It was just because I'm gay, I learned more about it. And even my parents, they're in their late fifties. They still don't really know about it. And they basically lived through the AIDS epidemic. So I think whenever I get a chance to, you know, tell people not just about my story, but just being HIV positive in general, I'll always take that opportunity. I'm sort of, I'm proud of it because I think a lot of people are nervous to tell people they're a little ashamed and it's just, it's not your fault. I I don't think I ever actually had that thought that it, anything was my fault because I was, I would be the first to blame it on someone else. <laughs> but I, yeah, I just want to tell more people. I want to get it out there. So when you came up to me about this, I had to do it. I had to just tell people have, you know, it's better to just tell people than keeping him. 100% man. And I, you know, it's, it's palpable. I feel how you feel about talking about this. And that's so important for somebody that's on, uh, that is sharing the story like you, like, you know, you're helping so many more people than you could ever know, just by talking about it openly and confidently and not being ashamed or embarrassed about these things that have happened. I mean, you're like, literally showing people that like this does not have to define you and you can have a totally normal life uh, despite having HIV and despite having been raped like it's so essential right now I mean it was always essential but particularly in the age of social media to have people like yourself who can talk about these things in the way that you talk about them that just shows people that like this is you can recover you can heal it doesn't change what happened but you can certainly change what the rest of your life looks like i'm happy that you feel like you have that that sense of purpose and it totally comes off it's also just very cathartic and it's it's therapeutic to have these conversations like our experiences are so different and yet i totally empathize on like many different many of the things that you said i'm like oh totally felt like that and uh it feels good to know that other people know how you feel Mm -hmm. so Um, I wanted to ask you one more question for somebody that's been through something similar and is hoping to get to the point that you're at now, what advice would you say to somebody like that? Um, I would just say to talk about it. That was really one thing that I didn't do at first that I just sort of kept it in. And since I started talking about it with other people, it's just been so easy, so much easier to comprehend and to, you know, put things into perspective and just get educated. I would say you're never truly prepared for a moment like that until it happens. Like I told you before, you know, I think I would have liked to think that I'd be this the savior. I'd be the person calling the police and getting like a trophy or something for putting someone away. Yeah. But it's just, you're never ready. So just, talk about it be open with it you'll get you'll do a lot better once you do couldn't agree more and you don't have to call the police to be a savior you're helping more people than you probably ever would have been able to just by talking about it and i think that that really is like the best thing that you can do for things like this is because it helps you 
process what happened and it helps you verbalize like what was going on in your head and the feelings that you experienced. And the more you reflect on it, the easier it becomes. And you start to deal with the feelings rather than being afraid to feel them. When you haven't talked about it, it's the scariest thing to do is is speak up for the first time. But, you know, I... It feels like every person that I talk to, whatever experience they've had, everyone sort of says the same thing. Obviously, sometimes you speak up and you aren't believed or people have negative reactions or, you know, this, that and the other. But when you speak up and keep doing it until you find people that will listen and empathize with you, it really is just an absolutely freeing feeling. I just applaud all of the work that you're doing, Johnny. And like, I can't thank you enough for for coming on here and and sharing your story. It was really a pleasure talking with you. Thank you. And it's, yeah, of course. And your TikTok, can you spell out your TikTok for for people listening? Uh, Yes, it's Johnny Morsi, J-O-H-N-N-Y-M-O-R-R-I-S-S-E-Y. Perfect. And do you have Instagram or anything like that as well? I do, yeah. My Instagram is jmorsi06, just J. M-O-R-R-I-S-S-E-Y-0-6. I look forward to chatting with you again soon and best of luck with everything. If you're ever in California, let me know. (laughs) If you're ever in Chicago, let me know. (laughs) Sounds great, man. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And thank you to Esme Sphere for tagging me in Johnny's video.